You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, November 15th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kara McGinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kara McGinley goes over campus news with information on college radio. After that, Portia covers local news with information on the firing of a Fort Collins police officer. Then I give you your daily dose of music, entertainment, and events news with information on who's headlining the FIFA World Cup. After that, you'll hear an interview with myself and local drag king, Lev, aka Riley Upskirts, about how they use the power of drag for more than glitz and glam. Then I'll cover environmental news today with updates on Egypt's water scarcity. After that, I go over national news with updates on the death of students at the University of Idaho. Then stay tuned for your CSU sports updates with you and Pert. And to conclude today's show, I will take a look at what Port Collins has in store for the weather this week. The following RMR broadcast was pre-recorded on Monday, November 14th. With that, let's move right into campus and local news. I'm Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, November 15th. Today, you'll hear an interview with myself and Portia Cook about what college radio has been teaching us. Hi, I'm Kira. And I'm Portia. And today we're going to be talking about college radio and why it's important and what it's kind of taught us. Portia, what do you think about college radio? What has it taught you so far? You know, well, one of the really cool things about college radio for me is the communication skills that I have gained from it. Um, Being able to speak to a large audience, aka public speaking, is super crucial. Um, Not only that, there's the written part of communication, Um, being able to write and then effectively take what I've written and communicate it through speech um, showcases to my future employers that I, I am a true communicator. I am able to communicate in all different ways effectively. So that in itself, I think is extremely important. It doesn't matter what field you're going into career-wise, you have to communicate in some form or some fashion and being able to showcase that to employers has been so helpful for me. No, I 100% agree. And I think that's something that's a skill that's being lost. I don't even think a lot of people can make phone calls these days, let alone talk consistently just for an hour. I mean, you would think it's very easy, but there's a lot that goes into it. That's what I went into. I was like, oh, I love talking. Like, this is going to be easy peasy, but um, there's a lot of learning to it. And I'm really grateful for as much as it's taught me. And half of that is just practice. And that's the good thing is we get two times a week where we make our podcast and we just literally practice. It's amazing. Absolutely. And like you said, it's, it's, there is a method to it. It's not as easy as just speaking, being able to communicate an idea that you have in your head, Mm -hmm. just saying it versus truly communicating it in a, a way that people understand and are able to absorb it are two different things. And that is what college radio has given us the ability to do is communicate effectively. 100%. And what I think, too, is um, podcasting. You know, radio, I know we were talking earlier, you mentioned like radio might be dying. It is dying. That's a fact. You know, Um, it's hard to say, especially as someone who's in radio. But with that, um, podcasting is soaring off. You know, especially people within younger generations are really into it. So for us, it's so valuable knowing that because we could still go work for NPR and do podcasts and you never know, you know? And on that same road of podcasting, being able to storytell, exactly. it goes back to, you know, having an idea and being able to convey that idea. But how do you truly take someone there? You know, how do you 
take a reader or excuse me, a listener to the place that you're talking about, allow them to smell what it is that you're talking about, see, Mm -hmm. feel what it is that you're talking about. And we're gaining that experience now being able to evoke emotions within our listeners and really make impactful content versus just, I'm just telling you that I was at an event and this is how it felt. And there's something special, I think, about just having the audio. It's like when you read, it leaves a lot up to the imagination. Video is amazing. Videography is amazing. And it's just exponential. It leaves a lot up to the imagination as well. But with audio, as you said, like you're able to tell this story. But the way someone interprets it on their own, like, I think mine, it's what's really important, you know, of like they can come up with that own image. And I think that's really cool. It's unique, you know? Definitely. I agree. And, you know, some other things that come to mind as far as radio and the importance of it outside of, you know, being able to communicate and in that journalistic sense is the technical skills that I have gained. I have learned so many behind the scenes technical skills that I would have never known prior to working in radio. Um, Being able to edit audio and put together feature pieces and... Mm -hmm. That's a, a really cool tool to be able to have that I can take with me to a lot of different places as a journalist and as a communicator. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I came in beginning of this year, Porsche taught me everything. I didn't know anything about audio production. Um, but even now, like even going to the TV station, I'll be able to help people. I mean, I still know nothing with Premiere, but I'm like, hey, I can help you fix that audio no matter what you're doing probably going to have some audio you need to work with and that's why it's so important and I think with that what's a story that you've done that you think has been like extra um just like impactful for you as a learning experience um well what automatically comes to mind for me is my Clark Cella piece Mm. because it was an event that was taking place I really had to think about how am I going to take my audience to this event so that they can see what I'm seeing, feel what I'm feeling, hear what I'm hearing without actually being there, without actually seeing it. So for me, I really had to critically think about how I was going to showcase all of those different senses. So going around that event and a lot of it was not even speaking, was getting the natural sounds around me, Mm -hmm. seeing what other people were doing and listening to how I felt within myself to try to convey that to other people. So that was a big one for me. Um, definitely showcasing Clark Kelly. There was so much to that event too. Like, and you did such a good job showcasing it, you know, like there was a lot going on and you really like exactly as you're saying, you told the story of that event. And I think that's so important. I know for me personally, like I was just able to interview the congressman, the senator, and the governor. Like that's so cool. Huge. But also, like that was a very last minute thing, so I didn't have time to prep and think. Okay, this is how I'm gonna get this nat sound. This is what I'm gonna ask him. I just showed up and was like, okay, what do I want to know? What would students want to know? How am I gonna get nat sound? How am I gonna tell this story? And I think there's two sides where like you can go in prepared for things, but this job also like. I think it comes with practice too of like now you're able to just go in within 30 minutes notice and get rolling Absolutely. you know which is and think about the skills that that's teaching you to be able to just be thrown into a situation Literally. and not have anything prepared not have questions not even not knowing really anything besides who the subjects are going to be having to think on your toes and be quick minded is those are very 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 critical skills that are going to set us apart 
yeah. in our career journey. And I don't think that's anything we would learn in a classroom. I agree. And that's why I'm so grateful for college radio. One of the many reasons. There we go. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And I would say finally, absolutely. Um, that hands on that we're getting the classroom is wonderful. Absolutely. It's giving us the foundation Oh yeah, being able to be in the real, real time, hands on. We're in the field doing the work is teaching us everything else that we need to know. I would say 90% of everything else. I absolutely agree, Portia. Thank you so much again for coming in and doing this podcast with me. Absolutely. Hope you all have an amazing day. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to my campus news updates. Now on to local news with Portia Cook. I'm Portia Cook reporting your local news for Tuesday, November 15th. A local bar favorite is being named by Yelp as the top U.S. speakeasy. Social, which has been a staple in Fort Collins since it opened almost a decade ago in Old Town, took the number one spot on Yelp's 50 best speakeasy bars in the U.S. According to Yelp, the ranking is based on the total volume and ratings of their Yelp reviews. Social General Manager Nathan Robinson told the Coloradoan, quote, The ranking is based on reviews we've received since opening in 2013, so the current staff is obviously very proud, but we wouldn't have had this ranking without every single employee who's worked here, end quote. Two additional Colorado bars also made the Yelp's top list, including William Graham in Denver, Colorado, which came in in 31st place, and Brooklyn on Boulder Street in Colorado Springs, which came in at 33 on the list. Both are in Colorado's most popular cities. In other news, the Fort Collins police chief fired one of its officers over multiple domestic violence-related charges. Fort Collins Police Services Chief Jess Swoboda fired 31-year-old Valerie Pedraza after completing an internal affairs investigation into the officer's conduct. In a recent Facebook post, Swoboda said, quote, After reviewing all the facts, I terminated that officer's employment today. Law enforcement officers take an oath to serve and protect our community with respect and integrity. Sadly, this officer's actions violated our policies, and I no longer have faith in her ability to upload the promise we make to our community, end quote. Pedraza, who had been with the Fort Collins Police Department since 2019, was first arrested on allegations of domestic violence and third-degree assault on May 29th. According to a Fort Collins Police press release, Pedraza was off-duty at the time of the incident and the victim in the case was minorly injured. Pedraza was later accused of contacting the victim several times after being released from jail. As a result, Pedraza was charged with violating a protection order, which is intended to limit the contact between a suspect and victim. After pleading not guilty to all charges on September 27th, a jury trial is scheduled for January 24th and 25th. In other local news, Fort Collins City Council and staff are discussing proposed changes to the city's public nuisance ordinance. According to Molly Bohannon of the Coloradoan, Fort Collins' existing public nuisance order requires the city to issue a citation before taking further action outlined in the nuisance order against a person or property owner. However, the current order requires a citation to be ordered in such a way that seeks compliance first, making it difficult for a citation to be issued. In the rare case that a citation is issued, the only next step under the current public nuisance order is for the city to file a civil abatement action in municipal court to receive abatement orders. If a property owner disobeys, they could then be cited with a misdemeanor criminal offense. Neighborhood Services Manager Marcy Yoder told the Coloradoan that when the current public nuisance order was implemented, it largely addressed issues surrounding college students, saying the city at the time was, quote, party central, end quote, and full of big house parties. While the city is still seeing issues surrounding house parties, with rapid population growth, the city is now seeing changes in the kinds of nuisance activities being reported today. 
If the proposed public nuisance order pass, the city will have more options before having to go to court and issue abatement orders. The proposed ordinance would allow the city to follow the following process. First, the property owner of a chronic nuisance property or person doing the nuisance activity would receive a written notice to allow them the opportunity to abate the nuisance activities. If that's unsuccessful, a citation will be issued to the notified person for the following. A $250 fine for the first offense, $500 for the second offense within 60 days, $1,000 for a third offense within 120 days, and $2,000 for a fourth and subsequent offenses within a year. If that's unsuccessful, the next step could be issuing a citation to the property owner for a misdemeanor offense. The maximum allowable penalty couldn't exceed $3,000 or 180 days in jail or both. Finally, if that's unsuccessful, the city would file a civil abatement action in municipal court against the property owner. The updated ordinance would replace a current code that was first implemented in 2000 and has undergone minimal adjustments since. That's all for your local news. I'm Portia Cook, and I'll be right back with your music events and entertainment news after the break. Yo, this is G-Love, and you're on 90.5. And I'm back with your music events and entertainment news. If you're a fan of Fran Ferdinand, there's a new podcast out about the group of pals from Glasgow who formed a band and changed the face of music forever. The podcast titled Word So Leisure is narrated by comedian and Franz Ferdinand superfan Rose Matefeo. Matefeo revisits the band's extraordinary journey, including the highs and the dramatic lows, alongside contributions from their friends and those who they've inspired along the way. The four-part podcast series contains exclusive interviews and goes behind the scenes of some of the band's biggest moments, including when the band almost fell apart. All podcast episodes dropped on November 10th on all podcast streaming services. In other news, the FIFA World Cup is around the corner and they are preparing some of the biggest names in music for opening ceremony performances. BTS's Jungkook is set to perform at the 2022 FIFA World Cup opening ceremony in Qatar. The K-pop superstar has been tapped to perform during the soccer tournament's opening ceremony in Qatar on November 20th, according to a group tweet. Cook will also contribute to the World Cup soundtrack. Also confirmed to perform is Lil Baby and Nora Fatechi, who is an Indian belly dancer. While there is speculation of other big names like BTS, Shakira, and more, Jungkook, Lil Baby, and Nora Fatechi are so far the only artists who have been officially confirmed. In other news, it is Trans Awareness Week. Leading up to Transgender Day of Remembrance, each year between November 13th and 19th, people and organizations around the country participate in Transgender Awareness Week to help raise the visibility of transgender people and address issues members of the community face. 
If you're looking to participate in Trans Awareness Week, you have a couple of different options. On Wednesday, November 16th, Colorado State University's El Centro will host a sugar skull decorating event. The decorated skulls will be used on the ofrenda, or altar, on the Trans Day of Remembrance and Resiliency held on November 17th. On Thursday, November 17th, the Pride Resource Center will also host the Trans Day of Remembrance and Resilience. The event kicks off at 5.30 p.m. in the Laurie Student Center Theater and will include a trans and non-binary community dinner and a remembrance event. I'm Portia Cook, and that's all for your music, events, and entertainment news. Looking for things to do? You can find the most up-to-date local events and activities on the KCSU News Calendar found at kcsufm.com under the events calendar. Now, an interview with myself and local drag king Lev, a.k.a. Riley Upskirts, about how they use the power of drag for more than glitz and glam. My name is Portia, and with me in the studio today, I have Lev, who is a drag king. Lev, thank you so much for making time for me today. In this podcast, we will get into the other side of drag behind the glitz and glamour, where we explore a deeper side of drag outside of what's typically seen on stage. All right, I'm going to have you start off by introducing who you are inside of drag and outside of drag. Um, Hey, my name is Lev. I use they, them pronouns. And my drag name, my drag persona is Riley Upskirts. And he is a he, him, his. I love the stage name. Talk to me about that. How did you come (laughs) to the conclusion of Riley Upskirts? That's a great question. Um, You know, I've always loved the name Ryan and Riley when I was in my teens, wishing I had a different name because I have a dead name that unfortunately I haven't changed yet. But that's a whole other story. I always love those names. I don't know why. I did love the OC as a kid, as a teenager, and Ryan was the main character. But I just love how androgynous those names are. And Riley just kind of stuck. And honestly, the the last name of the upskirts just kind of came to me, honestly, just, just I love it. out of nothing. Yeah, it flows. It flows so nicely. Thank you. Riley upskirts. Now, we were just talking a little bit before we started this, and I attended my first drag show just this last Friday, hosted by the fabulous Chloe Katz. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see you perform. I hope to be able to see you perform in the future. But let's talk about how you became interested in drag. How did you start your drag journey? Where did it come from? Totally. Um, I think with drag and just with finding out who you are and your gender identity, sexual orientation, things like that, you know, that journey started really young for me. I was about four when I knew, first of all, I knew I was gay then. I also knew that I loved wearing more. I hate I hate making clothes gendered because they're not. We all want to say that. Clothes are for closets. But I did wear more masculine boy clothes, if you will, as a kid. And I always felt more comfortable that way. So that did not change up until my teens. But what did change is how society views you once you hit about 10, 11, and you're a person with a vagina like myself. There's an expectation of being more feminine. Uh, Being in puberty is really tough in general. And then being a gay trans kid in puberty is a whole different level. But I knew that I was my most authentic self when I was wearing more masculine clothes, living that truth. And, you know, college was the first time I actually bought my own clothes that were, again, more masculine, more trans mask. And I felt more myself than I ever had in my entire life. So 
with that, I always knew that I wanted to express myself more masculine, but didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing it in my personal life, if you will. And that's why drag seemed really enticing because this was a chance I could be a totally different person, but also so much myself. And so the first time I ever did drag, I was 22. Wow, so okay. It's been about 12 years. 12 years. Okay, so you've been mm -hmm. deep into the world of drag for quite some time now. So you're, you would, would consider a drag king. That's right. Okay, let's talk about that. So that's something yeah. that I honestly did not even realize was a thing until I started working on this project. The title of my project was The Other Side of Drag, How Drag Queens Use mm. the Power of Drag for More Than Glitz and Glam. I started talking to drag kings and queens and the word king started coming up. For those that are maybe unaware that there is even a, a drag king category, what is the difference versus Got drag it. king, drag queen, or even the similarities yeah. with both? Yeah, I think that's a big question. And I, I do want to state, you know, I I am not the know-it-all of drag. Um, there are people who have way more experience than I do or who are better than me and all those things. And I think drag can be whatever you want. That's why it's an art form. So I, I'm only speaking from my personal experience, and I just want to make that clear. But um, I think it's really just how you want to identify. Typically, not always, but typically a drag queen is someone who is... Um, could be a cis man, a cis gay man. Um, it could be also a cisgender woman. Um, it really could be anyone. It could be a trans mask person. It could be whoever it wants. But typically, um, historically, it is a cis man who is gay or um, a cis woman who could be either. Doesn't you know whatever, however sexually she identifies. Um, a drag king is typically, again, not always, a non-binary person, trans mask. Um, a female assigned at birth, uh, things like that, who are trying to be more masculine. I would say the cool thing about drag is that there's always a middle ground and people go all in between. Um, myself, yes, I'm a drag king, but I would love to, before I do top surgery in my life, I would love to do, you know, a hype or bio queen, which is another term. Um, and I might be outdated on these terms, so don't hold me to this, but I've heard, you know, that is someone who, a hype or a bio queen is usually someone who is cisgender um, and performing as that gender. So if I were to, you know, I'm a person with a vagina, so I'd be super femme, um, tits out and everything. <laughs> and have you but done that? I haven't so yet. Far? No, I have. That's why I am non-binary in my well, everyday life is I love that part and pop, you know, Madonna, Cher, Whitney Houston, all those, you know, uh, Janet Jackson. I love that. Like, I want to do something with that for, you know, super hype, super hype. I love that. That uh, I hope I'm there for that. That is going to be <laughs> uh, a big, I think, a, a really big experience for you. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's definitely. Really, really unique. <laughs> you know, I think there's a misunderstanding when thinking about drag in general, whether it's a drag king or a drag queen, well, this person must be gay or this person must be mm -hmm, lesbian. Mm -hmm. Or talk to me about maybe the stigma behind sexual preferences when it comes to drag. I think the LGBTQ plus community, I'm going to use queer community as the umbrella term from now on, but I think we as much as we hate being put in our boxes, again, this is my personal opinion, we end up putting each other in boxes or wanting to compartmentalize things. And it's like, no, the beauty of our community is you can't do that to us. But we do that to ourselves. We do that to our friends, um, our fellow drag kings and queens, you know, and it's I think it's more pressure from society and just how we were brainwashed in that way. And I think that, there, yes, there's absolutely an assumption that people are gay, pan, bi, some kind of queer identity who do or perform drag. And that is not true. I think there are plenty of straight people out there, um, heterosexual cisgender people who want to do it. And that's fine. And I, I think also as a queer community, we have to be more accepting of anyone who wants to try. As long as they're accepting of us, then why wouldn't we be accepting of them? Um, which right. is also kind of a tricky <laughs> space to be. Um, Definitely. But yeah, doesn't 
doesn't necessarily mean you're gay if you're a drag performer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that at the R Bar and Chloe Katz, who hosted the drag show that I attended at the R Bar on Friday, she hosts a youth drag mm-hmm. um, Sunday brunches. I brought that up to my daughter. She was like, Mom, I would love to perform in drag as well. And she asked, she was like, but does that mean that I have to dress mm-hmm. as a man? Mm-hmm. Or can I just have like my alter ego of who I can't be at school? And can I be her on stage? So yes. is that a possibility for not only just the youth show, but anybody who would be interested in drag? Because I know even for myself, there's definitely like what I call an alter ego of me that I can't showcase here at work in my mm-hmm. professional setting or in my classroom or at the grocery store, or even as a mother in front of my children. <laughs> yeah. But behind the scenes, there is this bad, sexy, <laughs> fierce, while I still have a lot of that that I portray in my normal life, there's just some things that I can't do out in the open. But if I were to be on stage, I could let it all go. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. I think that's a great point to bring up. I think that's, for at least me, that's a big reason why I do it. It's a way to honor my ego in a healthy way, to give it space to be egotistical in a productive, healthy way where it's not harming anyone or myself. It's, again, it's this persona, but like you're saying, part of your persona in drag is also part of who you are. doesn't mean you're all of either one, but there's definitely a lot of gray there. It's a lot of both, if you will. And I think that's why people do it. You know, it's a way to express yourself in a way that you can't do, like you said, the grocery store with your kids in your everyday life at work, whatever, because again, unfortunately, society looks at all of us in a certain way, in a professional way that we have to be. So yeah, I absolutely, I mean, I think burlesque is another burlesque, draglesque, drag, anything like that performing just art you know performing in the arts is just a great way to do that and speaking of that you know i think when people think of drag or even see it it's the the typical extreme high glitz glam glitter heels Mm -hmm. boots sexy outfits but there's such an art to i think the look of it as well as the performance aspect of it let's talk about the art of the performance for you outside of just the look of the performance yeah and touching First off, exactly. You don't have to be glitz and glam. You can make drag whatever you want. People look dressed down, dressed up, out there. I mean, it's again, it's an art form, so it can be whatever you want it to be. Me personally, I would say I would love to be better and get better at my costumes and, and you know what I'm wearing and how that glitz and glam come across for me because I'm more of a laid back, um, you know, I like to say I'm a cross between like, like Will Smith and um, I don't know. <sighs> I can never think like Paul Rudd and just a couple like goofy, but cute people, you know? Um, So, so for me, again, because I'm not super glitz and glam, I loved, I think my performance and my strengths come out through dance and engaging the audience and knowing every word to all of the songs. Um, You know, that's, how I seem to do well, I feel like. But some people are awesome with their costumes and awesome with that stage performance. Maybe they don't know every word. You know, it just, it kind of depends on what you're good at and you don't have to be good at everything, which is beautiful. So it just depends on who you are and your strengths. Absolutely. How would you say you have used the power of drag in your everyday life off of stage? How does it empower you in just your love life? Yes. Love that. (laughs) Love life. (laughs) It's a good podcast title. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, I think that anyone, I don't care what you do, if it's music, performing, you know, sports, whatever you do that you have to go perform in front of an audience takes so much bravery. It takes so much courage. Getting on stage is one of the hardest, like people make it look easy. I'm sure I know I've been told, oh, you don't look scared at all. You don't look nervous, anxious. I'm so anxious. I'm so nervous. 
before sport games and drag. I mean, I, I think that putting yourself out there, no matter what that looks like, even if it's literally just walking down the street, maybe in something that you don't usually wear or whatever, wearing makeup is a really big deal. And I think that says a lot about who you are and you wanting to be authentic to yourself. And that for me, I always want to be authentic to myself. So I think it's only helped me be more comfortable being more masculine because I just am, you know, I'm a trans mask, non-binary person. So right. masculinity has always felt more comfortable for me and to sit in there. Um, and it's, I got to say, it's a trip when I am in drag. I've also found that gay men really, really like me. Um, <laughs> they hit on me, look at me very <laughs> lustfully, which is a whole different, like it's, it's very, I'm flattered. Right. Uh, it's bizarre. It's awesome. But yeah, people, the way people view you is it's wild. Even being an audience member and watching the performers really lit a fire within me of, I can be whatever I want to be. And I know growing up here in Fort Collins, being half Black, half Mexican, am I Mexican enough? Am I Black enough? Right. I'm definitely not white enough. Having this pool of where do I fit in? Who am I supposed to be? What should I like? Or what should I be doing to fit in more? Sitting there watching that was just like, mm -hmm. I don't have to conform to anything. Mm -hmm. I can just be whoever it is that I want to be. It was so inspirational. So yes. who knows? Maybe I'll be on stage next. Yes, powerful. <laughs> and you should. And you should own being Black and Hispanic. Like, are you serious? Like, that's that's your power. No, absolutely. You know? But for as a little girl, it was oh, like... Right, right what is going on? Totally. Like, I don't know what to be or who to be. I'm half of this. I'm half of that. I Everybody around me doesn't look like either of me. Right, right. <laughs> so it was really, really tough. So sitting at, at last week's drag show, just it brought a lot of those feelings up and it, it made it relatable for me in a sense of being able to showcase different pieces of me, however that looks to me and however I want that to me. So it was yes. a beautiful thing. Let's talk about your performances specifically. You know, a lot of people will think you just go up there for a performance <laughs> to lip sync to some songs. Um, I know I was talking to an, a gal at the burlesque show and she says uh, one of her performances speaks about the sadness of a loss of one of her family members. Would the audience know that? Maybe not. But for her, it was more personal, more deep. Do you have anything like that? I feel like for me so far, which I would love to expand, I, again, I'm more of that like suave and, you know, I like to dance around and a womanizer, but not in the, not in the toxic sense. <laughs> I like to <laughs> say don't like uh, those toxic ones. <laughs> nope, nope. All consensual, all the things. Um, and that's kind of the vibe I go on. So, you know, for a lot of mine, I would say it is a way for me to express my sexuality, like in a very... I don't want to say abrasive, but just kind of an out there, here I am way, which people do love. And especially in that in it. that container of drag, I mean, people are there for a show. They're there the part usually there to party. They're there to, you know, egg you on to be the most wild version of yourself. So typically my songs are again more like rap, R and B, hip hop, um, dance number, poppy, you know, talking about whether it's sex or you know, getting to know someone, flirting, you know, right. uh, keeping the party hype. That's kind of my vibe. I, I like would it. love to do some more serious things. I'm not so much a slow song person. Uh, you know, my signature song is Pony by Genuine. Like, I'll, <gasps> that's like my number one. I'll do it. I could do it. You're bringing sleep. me back. You're, you're taking me back and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I make a fool of myself either way. But <laughs> that's probably one of my slowest songs that I do. And that's not even terribly slow. Yeah, and there's no, a lot absolutely. of dancing to that. But so, yeah, I think people often have something like meaningful in that way. And I think that's great. And I, I would love to kind of tap into that, too. But I haven't. I think you're tapping into something really important, though. And you, you speak about like maybe being a little bit more hypersexual in your performances or flirty. I think 
all of us, there's that drive, that sex drive, that want to be sexy, that want to be flirty. Mm -hmm. There's something interesting about it. There's something we're all curious about. And we can't necessarily showcase that in our everyday lives. At least we've, in society, been condemned to not be too much like that. Although in the media... um, there's a lot of, of course hypersexuality going on. But I know, even personally for myself, I'm an extremely sexual person. I cannot even showcase half of right. half of <laughs> <laughs> what I am internally as a sexual being. But like you said, being able to do that in your performance and allow people to see that and be comfortable in seeing that in turn makes them comfortable within themselves. So no, I think your performances are absolutely tapping into something more personal Mm. for yourself and for audience members. I think that's super unique. Thank you. I appreciate you framing it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. So no, keep keep going. I can't (laughs) wait to see you perform at some point in time. Now, what are some of the stereotypes or misconceptions that you would like to address that you often hear about drag that you're like, I wish I could just tell somebody like, this is how it really is for me. And and it can be anything, anything that comes to mind for you. A couple of things, I guess, off the top. I would say, you know, I don't know how long I I cannot speak on. I do not know how long drag kings have been. I would imagine just as long as drag queens, right? But as far as media coverage or becoming more popular or a known thing, um, I'm not sure. So I would say I've seen more drag kings personally in the last 20 years than ever before. I'm 34 now. But um, I think that with that being said, there are there just are not as many drag kings as there are drag queens. There, I feel like drag kings do get a lot of slack of they're not as fun, they're not that great, um, they need more style or they need to have more you know makeup or whatever that is, or even they have to you know do the glittery beard thing and, and specific uh, things which you don't. You can do whatever you want, right? And I think the more people who hopefully try out and do drag especially as drag kings, can prove all these people wrong because we are just as fun. And I know, but personally in my head, I do have that insecurity. Like I have to be, like I have to be the best performer here tonight because I have that stigma against me. If, especially if I'm performing with a bunch of beautiful Queens, like people are going to just assume they're going to be great and maybe assume I'm not. So I'm always going to, exactly. Stereotype threat. You don't want to be the stereotype of being the bland. Which is my own stuff, right? right? But I do have that in the back of my head, and it is because of what people gossip on the street about or just in general in the drag scene. Right, so right. kings are just as good, and some queens are not as good. Some kings are not as good, but, you know, drag is whatever you want it to be. So I would say that. And then um, the funny one would be, you know, what you call it gay time or drag time. That shows never start on time, which is also <laughs> not true. Uh, <laughs> I think that can often happen where, you know, shows are starting 15, 30 minutes late, but... I think that's also part of the experience when that does happen. Right. I think it starts getting a little excessive when we're hitting 45 minutes to an hour because, you know, people's time is precious. But I think I do think more hosts are being more cognizant of time and people's time in the as, as audience members to be on time or close to. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Now, is there anything else that you would like to add about your experience with drag, how it has shaped who you are today? 12 years in drag, that's a... That's over a decade. That's a long time. So there's definitely some impact there. What would you say have been the biggest impacts thinking back on all of these years from the time your your first drag show to now yep. impacting you as love today? Well, my makeup's definitely gotten better. Thank God, because it was so rough. <laughs> Listen, um, I need some tutorials because I was looking at that makeup on Friday like, wait a yep. minute. I am not even doing myself justice. <laughs> this is fabulous. <laughs> yes. Some of the biggest impacts for me with drag, you know, I I often in some of my numbers, like Pony, for example, um, 
I take my shirt off, I rip a beater in half, you know, and that's the end. And so me being comfortable, you know, I'm not a skinny person. And again, that goes with society of being fat phobic and not loving your body if you're overweight, or even if you're just you, what does overweight mean, right? What is obese? Who cares? Right. Blah, blah, blah. But so for me as a not small person, um, you know, I'm 5'8", about pushing 200 pounds, like I'm not skinny. And but I feel so comfortable ripping off my shirt in that draglesque way, right. um, getting naked if I, you know, however that looks, because I do tape my boobs, you know, I tape my chest. And I just feel so, it's the most invigorating, freeing experience. I can't explain it. Not only are you on stage, like, just like, here I am, but right. you're also doing that for you. And it's just like, it gives me chills to talk about it just because performing alone, whether you don't, whether you get naked or not is incredible. But that aspect for me always just like, takes it to the next level. Um, I think it makes you comfortable it really helps you be comfortable with who you are. It also helps you realize that there's different facets of you and that's okay to explore. And like you said, I mean, it sparks something inside of you and hopefully you take that and do whatever you want with that. Right. And I think that's the beauty of drag is it's, it does not have to look a certain way. And that's why I hope people just stop trying to put us and put drag in boxes again, because that's the point is to not be in one. Absolutely. For people that want more information or do have questions, but maybe don't know who to ask or where to go, what would you suggest if if we're looking for information just on the topic in general? It's a good question. Um, I would say, I mean, everyone knows Drag Race, of course. That's a cool, you know, spot to check out. Um, I would say if you're, you know, 18 and up, 21 and up, check out your local gay bars. Look up where they are and maybe reach out and, you know, a little contact me online. Give them a call because typically people do have house queens and kings that they, you know, have like our bar does. You know, Trina Tuckett, Chloe Katz, um, Maverick. Those are all people who are a name in our bar, for example, Fort Collins. Right. Um, and just kind of talk to your friends and kind of see what the scene is because there's definitely a scene in every city, even the small ones. I wish I had more specific. No, I think that's uh, great. I think that's stuff. a great start. And that's exactly when I started this project where I started, I was like, I don't know who to talk to or where to get information. You can Google stuff, but right. really to have that, that person to be able to talk to and our bar really gave me everything that I needed. And everybody has been so open and so willing to allow me into their space and to ask questions and to not know and um, has made me feel like it's okay to ask and to wonder and to be curious about a bunch of different things. And what's next for you in terms of drag? Yeah, I, well, I'm pretty sure I do have a show on December 9th at our bar, the Trina Tuckett show. Um, so that would be fun. So come I, out. Whoever, I hope you, I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, you know, and I will say I'm more of a, I, I don't want to say a hear their performer, but I'll do like one show a month. You know, I, there are people who are out there. I have a lot of friends who are killing it, doing shows every weekend, multiple shows a weekend. And that's awesome too. I'm not saying I wouldn't be into that, but for now, um, I'm kind of just trying to get back into the FOCO scene in Denver and everything. Yeah. So right now, like I said, December 9th at our bar is my next show. Awesome. So. I love it very much. Well, thank you so much for being with me here today. Yes. This definitely gave me a better insight into the world of drag, some of the deeper parts of Love's world. And <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, I truly appreciate it. You ready? Got me running, got me running. Shake it, shake it, shake it, baby.
Four Cons Bike Co-op is an organization whose mission is to build community through bicycling. They provide the tools and expertise to help fix up any bike, new or old. Hours of operation are Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, 2 to 5 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. For more information, check out their Facebook page, Four Cons Bike Co-op, or email info at fcbikecoop.org. Rain Wilson, an actor who's best known role is Dwight in The Office, has now taken a peculiar step to raise climate change awareness. The actor has changed his name to Rainfall Heatwave Extreme Winter Wilson. Currently, COP27 is partaking in Egypt right now, and the actor has said on his Instagram when announcing his name change that, quote, we need world leaders at COP27 to take notice and to take action. Rainfall has insisted that this is no joke in his Instagram and suggested that more people change their names as well to hopefully gain attention from world leaders and lead them to take action. Egypt is facing growing water scarcity and experts are saying that the country is investing in projects that are wasting their water resources instead of conserving them. One of these projects that can be seen as wasteful is the Green River. Near the city of Cairo in the desert of Egypt, They are building a multitude of lakes and rivers called the Green River that will weave its way through a new modern city that the country intends to build. It is still unclear how the government intends to source this project. Information from this story comes from CNN. In other environmental news, every single student is learning about climate change at some point in all of their classes if they go to school in New Jersey. This past fall, the state adopted a new learning system that is ensuring kids will learn about climate change in each class, even PE. Climate change will continue to affect every single sector of the economy and many people's lives will be disrupted. The state hopes to educate these children, but also help them prepare for its worsening effects. Many states around the country don't even mention climate change to students. And in 2013, only 20 states adopted a learning system that requires science teachers to start teaching about climate change and its human causes. Information from this story comes from the Washington Post. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Make sure to stay tuned for national news. I'm DJ Pompey. And I'm DJ Attorney at Law. And you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. In national news, three people are now dead and two injured after a shooting at the University of Virginia. The shooting took place late Sunday night, and authorities suspect the shooter is Chris Darnell Jones. Authorities are still searching for Jones. NPR has said, quote, police ordered those on the campus to a shelter in place and canceled class on Monday. Public transportation routes to campus were suspended Public schools in the surrounding county were also closed for the day, end quote. As of Monday morning, the suspect has still yet to be found. Four college students were found dead in a home near the University of Idaho. The cause of death is still unknown, though authorities suspect that these deaths were the result of a homicide. No additional information will be released until the students' families have been notified. 
The university is providing counseling services for students. Information from this story comes from NPR. In Philadelphia, 11 Temples University students who are living off campus were robbed and held hostage by two men last Friday. No students were injured, but early in the morning when they were all sleeping, the two men entered the premises and held them hostage in the basement. The two suspects stole cell phones and credit cards. Authorities are still looking for the two suspects who are believed to be in a stolen silver Lincoln MKZ. Information from this story comes from CNN. Two planes collided this weekend in Dallas during an air show. Six people have now been confirmed dead. Authorities are still working to identify the victims. No customers were on the plane. Often the planes are flown by volunteers who are usually retired pilots. Information from this story comes from NPR. In other national news, many people have experienced a feeling of being overly tired and have had their sleeping schedules thrown off because of something known as jet lag from flying. Well, now scientists are exploring the idea of a social jet lag. The Washington Post has said that scientists are now finding that inconsistent sleep schedules may have just as much of an effect on one's health as how many hours someone sleeps. Scientists have found that unlike jet lag from traveling, which can be short, social jet lag can be chronic with less obvious symptoms, according to NPR. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Make sure to stay tuned for Ewan Pert CSU Sports Update. I'm Ewan Pert, and welcome to this week's RMR Sports Update. This week, we have four teams competing in events, with volleyball first. They're 18-9 and nine on the season. After ending their three-game losing streak with a big win against Air Force in Tom Hilbert's final home game as a head coach, the volleyball team will be headed to Laramie to play Wyoming early in the week before going to Vegas to end their regular season. Next week, the Mountain West Tournament will take place here in Fort Collins, where the Rams will be competing. Up next is football, who is now 2-8 on the season after yet another Incredible performance from star receiver Tory Horton. The Rams would fall to the Wyoming Cowboys in the border war. The game was decided only by one point and the Rams fought hard, but now they have to move on to the next game where the football team will be headed to Air Force for their second to last game of the season. Up next is men's volleyball, who is 2-0. Still undefeated going into the week, the Rams will play four games this week. The first game against Weber State early in the week, and then games against South Carolina, MS Valley, and LMU to take place throughout the end of the week. Up next is women's basketball, who is also 2-0 and undefeated going into the week. The women's basketball team is looking quite strong at the beginning of this season. They will be hosting Western State early this week before heading out to play Mississippi State at the end of the week. I'm Ewan Pert. This has been your sports update of the week. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, November 15th. Today was cool and partly cloudy with a high of 40 degrees. As we head into the night, you can expect temps to drop to a low of 20. Wednesday doesn't get much warmer with temps in the mid-40s and partly cloudy skies. Wednesday night is giving us another chilly night with a high of 20. And for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune into the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. 
I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU Weather Report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you miss any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.